Welcome back, everybody, to For New Eyes Only, the James Bond retrospective podcast where I am watching the movies for the first time. I am Simmons, Nathan Simmons. My number two. I am Josh Browning. <laughs> I have always wanted to be someone's number two. <laughs> You're my number two now, buddy. <laughs> Thanks, bro. Yeah, man. Thunderball. We're back with Thunderball, and... We had a little break there. Unfortunately, yeah, yeah. I, had, I had some life stuff happen, and our mm-hmm. gold Goldfinger episode came out a little late, but we're back mm-hmm. on the horse. We're back talking yes. about Bond. Back underwater? Yeah, this time we're not on the water, like yeah. like in From Russia With Love. This time, <laughs> yeah. this time Terrence was like, let's go underwater for this. What one. if what if Dr. No was wetter? <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, Thunderball. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, a first time watch for me. A one sure. that you haven't watched very much. You said, right? It's not one that I go back to very often. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll get to it as we as we go through. But um, Thunderball was one that I think I dug a lot as a kid. I've mentioned on the show before. I used to just marathon these whenever they'd play them on TV, and I, I think Thunderball was one that always grabbed me because of. Uh, the underwater locations. I was a big, big water kid. I, I don't know if that's a thing. Um, uh, but I, yeah, this this was one that I, I haven't revisited a ton in my adult life since I got the Blu-ray set a couple years ago. I think I've only watched it once when I was just going through the series. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm, I was excited to revisit this one because it's just one I don't uh, have a huge connection to. And I feel like, again, I'm kind of um, alienating myself from the audience because uh, here's the guy who thinks Goldfinger is fine saying <laughs> Thunderball, the most successful Bond movie when adjusted for inflation is like pretty good. <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't want to play my hand too early, but I, mm-hmm. I will go ahead and say like this one did a little more for me than, than, than Goldfinger did. Right on, man. Um, yeah. But- I, I, I really enjoyed it. I my biggest gripe with it uh, is that it feel it's very much a travelogue. You know what I mean? Like it's um, it feels like there's the plot is secondary to the the action or the or the you know carrying. It's just there to carry Bond forward through a series of misadventures. Yeah, this one. Um... You know, we're, we're kind of digging into it already, but I found this one to be a lot more simplistic than the, the last few we've it watched. It is. Yeah, I, um, I think it's really easy to follow, which I was I was kind of surprised by because, yeah, especially after Goldfinger, where there's all these and, and promotion with love, where there's all these double blinds and secret agents. And mm-hmm. uh, also I'm paying these gangsters, but also I'm doing this thing. Uh, this one is very much like, hey, Bond, go get those things. And right. I, <laughs> I kind of love that about it. <laughs> So uh, last week we, or last month we talked about Goldfinger and yeah. uh, I had my uh, prediction for what Thunderball was going to be or what the plot of Thunderball was going to be. Sure. And I believe it was Bond's got a new lady in his life mm-hmm. and he's taking her to the Thunderball. Yeah. Putting on his Sunday best <laughs> and going to the Thunderball. And uh, little does he know his female friend is not what she seems. And mm. the Thunderball has something to do with Spectre. Just. A pretty good guess, uh, especially considering the word Thunderball happens one time in this movie. 
<laughs> well, one time in the movie, it also yeah. is uh, the song in this one. Um, oh, of course. Which sure. I, have a, I have a comment about, which we'll get to here shortly, but... I'm excited about the song. Yeah. Thunderball. Nathan. Yeah. Can you tell us what Thunderball mm. is about in seven seconds or less? Sure thing. Uh, count me off. Let me get the trusty old stopwatch here, and we're going to go... I'm going to go three, two, one, go. Sure thing. Three, two, one, go. After two nuclear devices are stolen by Spectre, Bond must contend with the villainous Largo and the beautiful Domino. Boom. Seven or 6.71 seconds. I'm cutting it close every single time. <laughs> every time I think I got a little bit more. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, like, like you said, it's pretty, this is a pretty straightforward uh, little ditty. Um, we, we, but what's, what's wild is there's a lot of controversy behind the scenes of Thunderball. I don't know if you, you know about any of this. Well, that's why I have you, my trusty Bond mm. fanatic who has all oh, of the right. background there. Um, oh, right. That's the point of the show. I <laughs> forgot. <laughs> I, I, I typically do try to do as much background mm. research as I can to, to be able to yeah. be on your, on your level. But, uh, unfortunately <laughs> this time I didn't get as, didn't get quite as much time to dig into the BTS stuff. Sure. Um, but I did notice Terrence Young back behind the camera. Yeah, his final Bond film, actually, ah. uh, from the first two movies. Yeah. Uh, uh, yes, after uh, after Guy Hamilton uh, directed the preceding film, he was just basically like, I'm beat. <laughs> Can Terrence come back and do this one? Um, and so he did. Uh, yes, Thunderball, directed by Terrence Young, written by Richard Maibum and John Hopkins. Uh, music, of course, by John Barry, starring Sean Connery, Claudine Auger, Adolfo Celli, and Luciana Peluzzi. This is a uh, this was a huge movie, um, and it it almost didn't happen because uh, in the late 1950s, Ian Fleming became friends with a filmmaker and screenwriter named Kevin McClory, mm -hmm. who um, he was talking with about making a bond movie this was the, the this this would have been the first bond film uh -huh. um and so they wanted to develop a new story for the screen and so basically what happened was uh they they started coming up with these ideas which originally was about a like a hijacked airplane full of celebrities uh <laughs> which i i love that concept and i would love for them to go back to it at some point uh but legal <laughs> issues probably prevent that from happening at this point right um but um and mcclory was like no i want to do something that involves water <laughs> so <laughs> you, that's how we get you here. got water in this one my friends <laughs> boy howdy do you ever have water so over the course of uh, of a few months they come up with all these ideas they they create the they create specter together mm -hmm. um they come up with the character of Ernst stavro blofeld like all this stuff kind of starts to solidify which we will see in the movies that are laying the groundwork right now. Mm -hmm. um, and then basically things go south when Kevin McClory puts out a movie called The Boy and the Bridge, which Fleming was really excited about. And then the movie didn't do well with critics or audiences. And then Fleming just kind of ghosts Kevin McClory um, <laughs> for a while. Like he's just like, oh, no, thank you. Um, but so even though he wasn't involved very much, uh, McClory, uh, brought in a screenwriter named Jack Whittingham to help kind of flesh out their ideas. Mm -hmm. And eventually, while Fleming is kind of traveling the world, working on like his nonfiction writing, all of this stuff, 
uh, McClory sends him a screenplay called Longitude 78 West. Uh, <laughs> not not the most exciting of titles. Uh, I don't, but I don't, I don't think I would title. be jumping at the bit to go see that one in the theater. <laughs> right. It, but you could see like that being very much like out of a boilerplate thriller novel from this era. But he... So Fleming was like, okay, I like this script. I'm going to change the title to Thunderball, which is a reference to a mushroom cloud. It's kind of a, uh, a according to trivia I've read, it's it's the, um, essentially what what uh, military, U.S. military would refer to as the the, the peak of a mushroom cloud. Which I was is, really wondering where it's the It's an title, evocative name, right? Yeah, where the title and, came from and, and you know, <laughs> my my judge of what I thought the, what thought it was going to be in the movie. Right. I was like, how are they going to play this title into this movie? And <laughs> Right. And so essentially uh, at this point in its early 1960, Ian Fleming says, oh, I'm going to take this screenplay uh, to MCA and we're going to make your movie. You're going to be a producer, uh, you know, uh, Instead, he writes the novel Thunderball using the screenplay. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Dick move. But uh, tr- honestly, knowing what I know, what little I know of Ian Fleming so far. Yeah. It strikes me as something he'd do. He, yeah. And, and be like, <laughs> this is fine that I'm doing this. Um, but yeah, he he. So he writes Thunderball, gets that published. And as he's going to get it published, uh, McClory files an injunction to try to keep the book from being published it fails but as the movies are coming out and he's realizing they're using things that i co-created like mm-hmm. specter which was meant to replace smersh in the world of the novels yep. uh in the world of the films uh he files a lawsuit against ian fleming in 1963 they go to court together fleming has a heart attack during the proceedings like around that time and eventually uh, 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 says, yes, I I basically, yeah, I took all of these story elements, put them in the novels, I fucked up, uh, and uh, they settle out of court, and Fleming ends up having a heart attack and dying at the age of 56 in 1964. So this is the first Bond film that is made and released post-Fleming's death. Wow. Um, because of all of the legal entanglements, McClory retained the screen rights to <laughs> Thunderball. Um, that's why uh, the this movie during the opening title sequence has, based on the novel by Ian Fleming, based on a story by Jack Winningham, Ian Fleming, and Kevin McClory. I noticed and, that in the credits with the, because usually it was the, by Ian mm-hmm. Fleming and all of that. And this time I saw the two extra names and I was like, oh, that's interesting. I wonder yeah. what Nathan will tell me about this. Yes. And so because of all these legal like entanglements, Eon's production starts to kind of phase Spectre out after this. There's still kind of a looming presence for a few more films, Mm -hmm. but it became more of a thing of like, how much can we get away with without paying Kevin McClory? Mm. Uh, And so it's, it's this weird thing where like, there's a certain section of the fan base that has a real beef with Kevin McClory for kind of throwing a wrench in the gears of the movies. But in, in my opinion, I'm like, get that fucking bag. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's like, it's how I feel when someone complains about, oh, the, you know, Bill Fingers, a state sued for the rights to suit Batman. I'm like, absolutely they should. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, IP, it's, IP uh, is IP, my friends. <laughs> yeah. That? So this is a, this is a movie that has a lot of baggage to it. Even before the gun barrel, 
which features Sean Connery for the, for the first, first time. First time. That's the first thing I noticed watching it. I was like, "Holy shit, it's actually Sean Connery." And he's got a good move, right? He doesn't yeah. kind of do that little like he does a little bit of a turn, but he doesn't do the trip like the right. like the stuntman from the first few. The biggest and, thing about uh, the, the the ones before this is when he does that turn or that trip or whatever it is, uh yeah. he, he 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 uncenters himself from the barrel. Yes, that was the thing that drove you crazy about it, right? <laughs> it like it's, it's not it's not even um yeah so this was this was really fun to like i, I was like oh yeah this is the first time we see connery yeah. um in the in the gun barrel and then smash cut to a funeral that we think is for james bond yeah that was the first thing seconds. i said uh, jenny and i were watching it together it cut to that and i was like holy shit james is dead yeah like, uh but we I, don't it doesn't give us enough of that right, right. like it's almost immediately taken away mm-hmm. and, I, and i love that yeah. the uh i forget who it is that's with bond up on the balcony mm-hmm. here but she even says the coffin it has your initials jb at this moment rather him than me at least you've been saved the effort of removing him colonel bouvard passed away in his sleep so they tell me mm. And we get the first of many moments in this movie that, like, it's so funny to me every time I remember that you've watched Austin Powers before these movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So him socking the shit out of that widow. <laughs> the first thing I thought. <laughs> That's not your mother. It's a man, baby. It's a man, baby. And he says, you shouldn't have opened the car door yourself. Yeah. Uh, and which is a, a nice little observation on Bond's part that kind of gave Bond that being guy a detective, away. which I always dig. Uh, but yes, this fight when, is great. Oh, but when 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 she cut, well, when he comes in the room, she we think it's a she, mm-hmm. uh, and he just fucking decks her. I was like, whoa! And then yes, everything goes down. I was like, oh, okay, this is oh, funny. All right, it's a dude in drag, <laughs> yeah. and he thought he had snuck out of his own funeral, and he he starts choking out a man wearing stockings. He like has. He's he's got like the fireplace poker and like crushes his larynx with it. Mm-hmm. In the script, he strangled him with his bra, which I think is so funny. <laughs> Would have been so much better. <laughs> Incredible, right? Um, and here's like there's so many moments in this movie where Bond is such a little stinker. Uh as we would scamp, say on Silver man. Linings, he's the scamp of the film. Yep. But when he's leaving the room and he's about to get attacked by all these guards, he stops to grab flowers out of a vase and throw them on the corpse. <laughs> that was my next comment. I was like, what the fuck is he doing? Like oh. he, he could have gotten away clean had he not yeah. done that. And nobody would have ever known the better that no. he was in that room. Well, they would have known he was in the room, but the, yes, they wouldn't have seen him leaving the room to the rooftop Right. Where there is just a fucking rocket jetpack the jet waiting pack is for there. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't. So this is the scene that I remember the most from uh, from a, being a kid watching this was the jetpack, and then, but watching it now, I'm like, where the fuck did that come? That's not under your jacket. That's no. not unless you placed it on this Spectre agent's rooftop. No well dressed man should be the one. Yes, yeah, very practical. And. Uh, according to uh, production designer Ken Adam, that was a functional jetpack. It reminds uh, like, me of something I saw years ago uh, yeah. when Michael Jackson was touring the Bad album. Mm-hmm. Or no, no, I'm sorry, not Bad. Um, the one after that, the one with um, Batter. Batter. <laughs> um, shit, the one that had all the all the hits in the '90s on it. I can't remember. Dangerous. 
Oh, danger. Okay. When he was touring on Dangerous, there the finality of the finale of his show was him strapping on a jetpack and flying out of the stadium. So it should Bond should have been like hee hee and like. <laughs> Now I want to see. Now I want to see Sean Connery doing the the crotch grab like Michael Jackson. <laughs> Insane. <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't be the creepiest thing he does in this movie. No. Nope. Um, but I, this sequence is great, the, even though it makes no sense for the the jetpack to be there. What it reminded me of was Kenny Powers and Eastbound and Down, just fucking around in the lake. But uh, <laughs> we get gadgets right away. The right away. Jetpack. The Aston Martin has a bullet shield, shoots water jets on these dudes who are attacking them. <laughs> and then that takes us, it's a good transition into the credit sequence. I think I'm going to have to start paying more attention to the credit sequences. Uh-huh. Because as we get into this movie, and as we've already spoken about, mm-hmm. a lot of water in this one. Sure. And I didn't put two and two together when you're seeing all of this water stuff in the opening sequence. I was like, <laughs> I didn't put two and two together. I was like, hmm, okay. Uh, but yeah, like I should have known from, from watching. Well, the and that's the, that's the thing. So they, Maurice Bender came back as the uh, opening titles designer. And as these movies go on, they really do evolve to be, to include more of the plot. I mean, the first movie we had, uh, three blind mice and just random kind of like dancing, really. yeah. you know, animations. And then we had in promotion with love, we have the belly dancers, but it doesn't really factor into the story aside from the Romany camp. And which then, doesn't need to be in the movie at all, but it oh. doesn't need to be in the, which we've also, <laughs> yes, we said you could lose 20 minutes from the movie and it's fine. Um, and then yeah, Goldfinger, we get gold ladies, which is pretty cool. And then this one I think is the first one that's really like, let's lean into the story of this movie the visual themes of this movie um and speaking of themes tom jones Mm. doing thunderball what are your thoughts he strikes like thunderball he sure does doesn't he i was like what does that mean yeah (laughs) well so we went from very literal like he loves gold (laughs) gold finger like a lot of yeah there's a lot of metaphor in this song um uh, so there's a great apocryphal story where tom jones says he asked uh the engineer uh in the studio what is uh, what does he strikes like thunderball mean and the guy goes i don't know (laughs) and then supposedly when he that last note that he hits he passed out like there's a he's told this story a few times where he's like i held it so long that i like got dizzy and like fell over um (laughs) this isn't my fave bond theme it's when i've got my playlist on it's not one that i listen to a whole bunch i think it's fun but it's it's kind of forgettable to me. As much as I didn't dig on Goldfinger the movie, uh-huh. I like the Goldfinger theme much Great more. Theme. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I got to say, I need to send you this because this was the first time post Goldfinger where Bond is a thing. So people are actually vying to do the Bond theme now ah, to the point okay. where a, uh, I'm going to send you this link. A fellow by the name of Johnny Cash sent (laughs) in a song to the studio, uh, like, without them asking for it. Wow. 
just like I recorded a thunder. I, I heard y'all are doing a thunderball. I'll see if you like this song. Uh, so this is a, I want you to pl- listen to just a couple seconds of this because this is clearly written by somebody who has no idea what the plot of the movie is, but also really wants to write a thunderball theme and it slaps. It's, I mean, it's a Johnny Cash song through and through. Fury of the mighty thunderball. Thunderball. Honestly, <laughs> honestly, it makes just as much sense as the one we got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I love it. I would totally rock that song. (laughs) (laughs) As we go along with these movies, it's so fun to find the rejected Bond themes. Uh, I know you know about one of them. We've talked about the Radiohead one many times, and I think that song is phenomenal. It rules. Um, But yeah, it's a fun song. And then we, you know, we leave the credits, get into, we immediately meet... Emilio Largo parking like an asshole <laughs> to show what a villain he is. I love that shot though of him pulling up on the street and you can see the Eiffel Tower down at the end. Yes. That's a yeah. really cool shot. Well, this this movie does the thing that I loved in From Russia with Love, where we see how Spectre lives. You know what I mean? Like yeah. just like MI6 has its little dummy corporations and, and universal exports and stuff like that. Largo walks through this philanthropic office where they're helping rehome people to go to his evil lair because Spectre is literally evil MI6. It looks like he has the same interior designer as Goldfinger. <laughs> he does. I mean, <laughs> yes. Yeah. And and much like Goldfinger, I find Largo to be kind of underwhelming as a villain. I'm obviously thinking about number two from Austin Powers. Sure. Uh, where, you know, I'm a huge Rob Lowe fan. I know Rob Lowe played the younger version of him in the, yes, the yeah. second one. But um, but yeah, I mean, I love when we get in here yes. and it seems like Spectre is behind all all major criminal activity in the world crime in the world yes they're literally having their finance meeting they're in charge of robbing trains they're helping kill politicians and there's a cut for all of them in each of it (laughs) and and i yeah and i i do like i love this bit and we we we're reintroduced to number one uh blofeld who has not been named quite yet yep um, still played by Anthony Dawson, uh, who who played uh, Professor Dent in Doctor No, yep. also doubled as him in, in From Rush with Love, and uh, Largo is played by Adolfo Celli, uh, and he's voiced by Robert Rietti, who voiced mm-hmm. a bunch of characters in the Bond movies, like Professor Strangways in the first movie. Right. But there's a lot of that going on here. Domino is voiced by Nikki Vanderzil, who voiced uh, you know Sylvia Trench and. Yep. Or uh, Ursula Andress and like all these other characters. It's it's pretty insane how no one has their own voice in these <laughs> early movies except for like three actors. I wanted to ask you when do we start seeing uh, uh, the the downgrade of of the the overdubbing in the Bond movies? I, honestly, I think it's the it's probably around the more era. I think it's it's mainly just a a. a consequence of how they had to film these because they're filming them on location they're filming them out in the middle of the ocean or in like crowded streets so there's a ton of adr that's like necessary for them to be able to run these film crews but it's it's fun because when you really get to know these movies you're listening for those same voices like it hit me this watch 
that I'm like, oh fuck, Largo has the voice of Tiger Tanaka from the night from <laughs> You Only Live Twice. Like, so <laughs> I'm very excited to hear him again next next month. Um, but yeah, and meanwhile, so they're 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 talking about all of their uh, ill-gotten gains. Bond is killing them one by one. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Bouvard, who dies in the opening credits, was number six. And uh, meanwhile, we're learning there. They have a they have a sense of honor among thieves, as Blofeld tells us. Spectre is a dedicated fraternity whose strength lies in the absolute integrity of its members. And he shocks a guy who's embezzling from them in another very Austin Powers bit. Look what you did to Mr. Bigglesworth! That was the other thing that I I really am just, I'm starting to have a newfound respect for the Austin Powers movies. Yes, they are loving homages to James Bond. Just how many, like they pull something from every Bond movie we've watched (laughs) so far. Yeah, yeah. There's if you're enjoying those parallels, you're gonna lose your mind with next month's movie. I think <laughs> like there's it's I'm so excited. It's it's a weird watch, but I'm very I'm, I'm already getting hyped for it. Um, but yeah, I do love that he he kills he 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 kills this guy who's embezzling from him, and and everyone just kind of straightens their ties or loosens their ties, like because they're all nervous around Blofeld, right? Um, and. Largo starts to reveal part of their master plan to steal nuclear devices. Um, but we don't get the full picture yet because we got to shoot over to the rehab clinic, right? Where their man in the middle or their, their, their undercover specter agent yeah. just so happens Count, to be Count Lippy. just so happens to be where Bond is yeah. having a nice little spa day. Getting a little <laughs> massage. So it's clearer in the novel and in the uh unofficial remake of this movie that bond has been sent there to like rest up after his latest adventure mm-hmm. but yeah he, here it's literally just like oh this is where villains and spies go to get their massages yeah and I, <laughs> it, it struck me as funny because i was like oh the villains here and uh, yeah. bonds here and then later when bond goes back to mi6 it's like oh Here's where I'm getting my information about what oh, we're yeah, going to be doing. And he's like, oh, I, saw, I actually saw this body. It is very coincidental, right? And But it still takes me back to, to Goldfinger where he's just sure. vacationing in Florida, having a grand old time. Oh, Good I think knew- I'm in Miami when yeah. this gambling ring breaks out. Yeah, And it's like, you know, I would think as Bond, you would have to start thinking anytime you go anywhere – M has an ulterior motive for him. I wish, yeah, I wish we had another one of those scenes where M is just like, well, I sent you there because I knew Count Lippy was going to be there overseeing a plastic uh, surgery. Um, well, I will say, yeah. I mean, this is yeah. later in the movie, but I will say when when Bond does get to MI6 and they're mm-hmm. meeting with all the other double O's and they, they get the demands from Spectre. Love that stuff, yeah. The fucking look that M gives Bond as he walks in that room. Now the was like, yeah. <laughs> this movie was another, like, I brought it up in Goldfinger with M yeah. and Q, but this one too, like, later when Q comes oh into the picture, God. they Q- are fucking done with Bond. Everyone man. hates James Bond in this movie. <laughs> um, it's pretty insane. Like, so yeah, he Bond Bond sees Colonel Lippy has like a spy tattoo. He thinks it's a sign of one of the tongs. Like he's like it's a crime tattoo. Calls the red dragon tattoo. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's the well. I thought it was at first. I thought it was the greatest hero on earth, or greatest American hero like <laughs> symbol because I'm an idiot. But uh, yeah, Money Penny. There's some fun patter with Money Penny. And oh man. Really, 
when he but, says, I'm going to have to t- bend you over my knee, like yes. that was it's one intense. thing. And I wasn't expecting but it, but Money Pit, she's she into is it. into it, man. And <laughs> like, that is the key. He it, knows she's into it. It, it, I, it they is are Money Pit's dream to yeah. have Bond mm-hmm. in the bed with her. Like, and that is that is the one thing that keeps those scenes from being terrible is that she is really into, into it. it. And, uh, and like, I think Lois Maxwell is a national treasure. She's so good in what little screen time she has in this movie. Um, and we didn't and get it, our, and we didn't get our hat toss. Oh, I know. I mean, well, cause we're, we're too busy with bond being a fucking creep elsewhere. Cause he, we get a great bit where he's snooping <laughs> around. There's a guy, there's an eerie shot of a dude with a bandaged face. Yeah. Uh, guarding a door. Bond steals a grape from this dude's room. And it reminded me of under the cherry moon. I wanted him to like, just spit it out and yell pits. Pits. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he's been like, real aggro with this nurse patricia fearing who is mm-hmm. like the, like this 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 therapist and plants a kiss on her and she's not cool with it well when when i texted you and told mm-hmm. you i was watching thunderball mm-hmm. you I, go I, oh my god he's he's, he's, take it. he's at it again is yeah. what i sent <laughs> and nathan the, goes yes Oh, being a creep. <laughs> I, I knew, I knew, and I'd forgotten this scene. But it's it's weird because part of the time she's playing flirty with him, but mm-hmm. it's not okay. Like, no. there's this really great Mary Sue article about this about this movie in particular, um, which is a, a positive review. But they they mention I, I had to read this bit by uh, Stitch for the Mary Sue, uh, who said it's basically my biggest issue with the bond series in a nutshell how we see him con and coerce women into bed with him and it's basically never a negative in fact james bond is seen as this incredible stud of a lover able to change a woman's mind with one kiss it kills me um and that's a great point and it's something that i love this movie later on for refuting through like the we'll get to it later but volpe is basically just like no that's not how it works you're a piece of shit (laughs) 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 Um, and i'm going to murder you yeah um but uh uh, nurse fearing almost gets to murder him first because she straps him into this rack that's supposed to stretch out his joints this scene was so fucking funny it's so good like so he first he's doing a little bit he pretends the table's a motorcycle uh (laughs) and then she straps him into it and uh, Count Lippy sneaks in and speeds it up. And it, it is, it's comical. Like when he's they, literally going like. And they ramp up the film. And I think that's what yes. makes it more, more. Co- co- and that uh, happens a few times in this movie where I'm just like, this looks like a Marx Brothers film. Like, this oh, is- <laughs> we're going to talk about a particular scene that has some uh-huh. ramping up later. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> just driving me nuts. Uh, but, but she, yeah, she, Patricia, uh, Patricia shows back up to save him. And. Yeah, just kind of now she's into it. Well, you wouldn't tell Dr. Wayne. Please, I'd lose my job. Well, I I suppose my silence could have a price. You don't mean... Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and that was another moment where Jenny was like... Mm. Uh, yeah. 
But again, um, like this guy, I don't know. I just, I maybe it's because I've never been like a huge, like, oh, Sean Connery is a stud. I, I don't know. Right. I, well, we, we talked about this a little bit on the last episode mm-hmm. and, and how like, you know, the age he's at there is younger than I am now. And I still sure. see him as a much older man than I am. Isn't that wild? In that there, movie. Was this, there was this uh, thing I saw on Twitter recently. Someone had, it was like a clip of a, news report from a high school in 1983 or something like that and it was literally like we're not crazy everyone in 1983 looks 40 like it's it's just automatically like and that's also something you notice in these movies too being in the 60s -hmm. and 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 whatnot like like oh they're dressed like my grandfather yeah And, and and even like you know the 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 connotations we put around beautiful women or beautiful people in general yeah like you know all of the girls in these bond films so far are voluptuous and look look like they're adults and whatnot and whereas yes. something about the older we get uh the younger people look for some reason oh really yeah, yeah. i to me it's just it, it comes down to intention versus execution and in a lot of these scenes i feel like the intent is as as volpe says later in the movie you know oh he can he's irresistible so everyone eventually like falls into his charms and i'm like but that's still dicey like it's coercion like it's not it's it's very I don't know. It's, it's that, it's that, it's that family guy joke of where he says 50 no's and a yes means yes. Like that's how this bond actually behaves. Right. And much like Goldfinger, we talked about the, the pussy galore scene in that one. And then this one, you know, luckily the the beginning of the movie here is where we kind of leave it. Yes, I agree. Um, and and, it, and th- it goes into some interesting places yeah. later with the with the villain in the movie, mm-hmm. uh, but you know it's it's a lot like the pussy galore scene, and then with this one where it could have been acted differently in a way of like it seems as though he's forcing this kiss upon these these ladies. Oh and no, he fully does that. Like especially he, in not this cool one. with like, it. Um, yeah. and then you know that she's she's trying to be professional. I mean, I think. Again, intention versus execution. I think the intention is that she's trying to play it cool, but just can't because she he's so attractive. But I think in execution and also just because we've had 50 years removed from this movie, we can look back on it and say, that's fucked up. Like, don't do that. Like, yeah. what? Like, she's she's at work, dude. Right. <laughs> like, kinda... that's really, like <laughs> I don't don't go into anybody's place of business and hit on them. Just right. don't do it. And it reminded me of the scene in The Fifth Element when Chris Tucker, <laughs> when sure. Chris Tucker is getting on the the ship. Mr. Rod, what? You're gonna have to assume your individual position. I don't want one position. I want all positions. He's got a real, real Ruby Rod scenario here. <laughs> 007 Ruby Rod. We're going to get Chris Tucker to play the next James Bond. <laughs> Felix, my man, I ain't got no fire. <laughs> oh, the thing about Chris Tucker in the fifth element is every time he says, Kobe, 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 Kobe. Oh my God. Oh my God. Kobe. Another one. Kobe. Kobe. <laughs> but- Kobe. In that scene, it's like, you, you know, know, you could tell that yeah. she's she's kind of lusting over Ruby Rod and is 
okay with yes. it in a sense, but it's like, this is my fucking job, dude. I'm working. Right. And Whereas, this this bit here feels like a power fantasy. It yes. doesn't feel it's very much from his perspective. We don't really get a sense that she's cool with it until she smiles at him almost at the end of the scene. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so it just it it's very uncomfortable until suddenly she's cool with it. And even then I'm just like, that doesn't make it not weird. Right. I don't care how many mink gloves he wears. <laughs> mink. It uh, reduces the tensions. Which by the way, does it? Uh, do I need to tell my therapist more mink, please? I don't yeah. know. I'm going to get me a uh, mink blanket to sleep in at night. So that way I'm but, not so anxious when I wake up in the mornings. James but like, Bond. Right, right. My weighted mink blanket because I'm a millionaire. But the this is the thing that I, I do appreciate that it leaves this behind. And I think if memory serves he's not quite as terrible after this it Good. just it is really man it's tough it is followed by one of my favorite sequences in the movie though which is we are joined uh we join major Duval, who's killed by a man who has his face yes which i think is a really cool rear projection shot uh, the man with the bandages has been uh, revealed this guy's name's angelo he's a and specter agent I really, I really respect and like that, you know, uh, it's visual storytelling here. They're not having to tell us yes. what's going on. We, we see get, the guy in the bandages. We get that explanation way later. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we see the guy in the bandages, and then you see a guy who has the same face as the guy we're yeah. looking at. So it's like, oh, I can put two and two together here. Right. And, uh, yeah, this scene's good. You really oh. get a sense for how um, uh, Volpe, is that her name? Yeah, Lu uh, yeah, Fiona Volpe, uh, played by Luciana Paluzzi, who is, I think, so good in this movie. Oh yeah, I, I, she's she's, she's my fa she's my favorite character in the movie. I, yeah, I love same. how I love how cold and calculated she is. Mm -hmm. I love that she she is evil to the end. I uh, wanted like watching it this time. I wanted her to be the main villain. Like I wanted yeah. her to like double cross Largo or something. Like I needed more of this character. Um, but yet she, he, it, the, this agent is arguing for more money. He's like, now, now that he's had his face changed, he's like, I've been doing months of training. You've changed my face to look like this guy. Uh, I'm part, I'm the only one who can do this operation last minute. I need you to pay me like a million dollars more. And she's like, you know what? Fine. I'll talk to Blofeld. Like, <laughs> and then again, we get this kind of mirror thing where he gets a cue scene She's uh -huh. given him all his gadgets. She's like, this is, this will call us. This is the thing that'll keep you from breathing in the nerve gas. This mm -hmm. is, yeah. Uh, it's good. This is good stuff here. Yeah. And, and, and again, I, I can absolutely respect a, a fairly simple plot. I was yes. afraid from the beginning with the funeral and how everything kind of plays out. And mm -hmm. then the, the weird spa scene, I was like, where are we going with this? But yeah, you know, I'm thankful that as we go through the movie, it's like, oh, they're fucking stealing nuclear bombs and they're going to yeah. blow something up unless somebody pays them. Like, it, it was is, nice to have that this time around. It is such a reliable plot that it becomes the plot of several Bond movies after this. Like, I swear, <laughs> I swear multiple times we've kind of revisited this sort of idea, but it's it's it works. It's a yeah. good, like, 
it's a good frame to hang some fun adventures on. Um, we get some really great day for night shots at this airfield uh, mm-hmm. as as he's get Derval is getting into this jet with all these other. Uh, they're doing a test flight. Yep. And we <laughs> we cut to a really funny bit of the Spectre agents trying to sneak Derval's corpse into the spa mm-hmm. like where they're where like lippy's just like come on fucking let's go like it's, it's just really <laughs> funny to me um and bond investigates there's a there's that shot of the shadow coming up behind him when he finds the corpse um i like yes. all the the quick action in this movie there's uh when this scene starts when they're trying to bring the body in like i started yeah. to notice a few things um you know bond has always got that detective hat on he's he knows yeah. something crazy's going on from the guy with the bandages to all the shit that's going on here mm-hmm. i noticed the score here um i'm gonna play a little a little snippet of the score yeah let's do it i i, I love that little Oh, yes. And and the only thing is, I think they play the score a little too much in certain scenes. Like, this one goes on a little little long. It happens. There's a bit when they're underwater later where that gets kind of almost grating. Mm -hmm. Um, But like the I I love the how quick Bond is to just disarm somebody and take off. Like he breaks this or he smacks this dude's arm, knocks the gun out of his hand runs out into the hallway and just pulls a fire alarm and leaves. Well, I mean, you've got the, the score there causing some tension with that little, that little bit of of music. Mm -hmm. But then like when he's in the room, he's taking the bandages off the face. You see the guy behind the wall with the gun, putting the silencer on like the tension they build in this scene is great. And then Mm -hmm. you also see the shadow of the guy in the window, like moving back and forth. That's what I think was missing from Goldfinger. Like there's so much of Goldfinger. That's just like what you see is what you get in terms of the action. Mm -hmm. This really leans into the dark, dirty espionage that from Russia with love did where there's a lot of people hiding around corners and in the shadows. And this, the first half of this movie, I, I was struck by how much I loved it. Uh, I think it loses a bit of steam as we go along, Mm -hmm. but there's some (laughs) there, like, this is all the stuff I love. Uh, A lot of business in the jet. (laughs) I, I really like the jet scene for one, the double cross. Because you know, you know that shit's coming. You know it's coming, yeah. And um, and then oh. you know when we get the plane and the plane sinking into the ocean. It's a good. Uh, it's a good miniature effect. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, the the camouflaging of the plane once they get it underwater. Love all of that. I think all the, of that's really cool. The water pouring in through the windows mm-hmm. is like stresses me out. This is a good yeah. time for me to mention that I'm terrified of drowning like i know that's a, like a basic human thing but oh, no. like jenny like is the same way like buried alive and like drowning in a car in in the yeah. river like those are her two worst fears in life water pouring into somewhere will mm-hmm. fuck me up any time yep and so this this even though i'm like this is the villain who just murdered five men uh and the water is pouring in i'm just like i hope he's okay um <laughs> But this is also the first time we see a bunch. We see an establishing shot of Largo's yacht, the Disco Volante, which is Love a fucking it. great name, Italian for flying saucer. Has uh, any band has has there been a band named this yet? 
There has to be, right? I I would certainly hope so. But if not, Nathan, we're starting a fucking band. But the uh, yeah, so so Largo. What I what I do like about Largo is that unlike some of the other villains we've seen in this series, he gets his hands dirty personally. Yes, he goes down in the water with all the frogmen and goes to get the payload from this jet that has a has two nuclear devices on it. And Angelo realizes that his strap is stuck; he can't get out. Largo pulls a knife, and it looks like he's going to cut him free. And instead, he snaps the oxygen line. Yeah, and it's a, ooh, it's a great villain moment. Mm-hmm. He snaps the oxygen line, looks him in the eye, grabs the briefcase, and swims away while they while the other guys bring the submersible for the bombs. Mm-hmm. Good. It's, it's a, a really good moment. It's a really good moment, and um. You know, this is where we really start to pl- to get into all the the water scenes that we're gonna have in this movie. So much underwater photography, and uh, and I mean, I noticed you know they they give a lot of recognition to that in the credits for this movie. Yes. Uh, yeah. Because again, like I said, I think I think they went into this one going, we were on water, now we're gonna go underwater. Now we're in the water, yeah. and uh, it works great here for mm-hmm. me. We'll talk about the third act of the movie. That's my thing. So uh, my next note is I think the underwater photography is very impressive. And as always, I am trying to put myself in the frame of reference of an audience in 1965. Yeah. Which this must have been mind blowing. Oh, I'm sure. Like, but I, like, I, I can understand fuck like, me. It's so long. It's so <laughs> long. <laughs> like, uh, and in, 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 in like a scene like this where they're yes. doing this procedural style of stuff of covering the the, the, the plane up and all that, that I love where there's like actual action. Yeah, yes. that works for me. And and I can understand, you know, I can respect the ambition they went with, with yes. this one in the oh, third yeah. act. This also had a higher budget than all three of the preceding films combined. Right. Like and it's all on the screen, but it is. Some of these scenes are interminable. Like there's so there's so many shots of people just kind of going this way and then mm-hmm. grabbing this thing. And but like you said, like when there is a purpose to it and it's forward momentum for the plot, I don't mind it. Right. Uh, it just it does get to be a bit much. What I did enjoy was uh, the bomb has handle like eggs stamped <laughs> on the side of it. Yeah, I, I noticed that. It was very. I, I love that. Um, <laughs> made me laugh really loud. It was like if I designed bombs, I would also leave very similar notes. Um, and uh, this is also when we are introduced to George Pravda as Ladislav Kutze, uh, who's a the nuclear physicist who works with Largo, who doesn't really come to much, does he? No, like I, you know. So much so that when you brought him up, I'm like, wait, who is this guy? Oh, yeah, yeah, this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's there He's there to be a turncoat at the end, which, again, I would argue should be Volpe's role. But yeah. whatever, we'll get to that. Uh, Largo uh, learns that, yeah, Blofeld was disappointed by Lippy. Uh, send a, who says, send a message to the execution branch because, <laughs> you know, he's like, if he hadn't picked this psychopath who demanded more money, you know, Right. He almost ruined our operation. Um, and we cut to Bond the next morning, leaving in a hurry from the uh, the rehab clinic and or from the spa. I, I, I've watched the movie twice now. Mm-hmm. And 
I'm still a little confused about the car chase. Oh, I got this. Okay. I'm, I'm glad so, you do because like yes. I wrote it down and I was like, the chase is a nice switch up, but yeah. I don't really understand. Like, I don't, so explain it to me. <laughs> so Bond is tailing Lippy, who uh, organized the, the, the murder of Derval and hid his body in the clinic. Mm-hmm. And he, he, what I love is he takes off and he basically does what Michael Keaton does to uh, what Bruce does to Vicki Vale in Batman 89, where he's just like, Oh, I'm going to be out of town for a few weeks. Like, yeah. just, like he, <laughs> she, she says, uh, what do you do for work? And he goes, Oh, I travel. I'm short of a licensed troubleshooter. <laughs> uh, and he takes off after Lippy and there's a, there's a, there's a, but there's a chase scene where Lippy closes in on him and, uh, I think the chase, the chases in this movie have way better rear projection than yeah, we've seen yeah. so far in the series. Uh, and, but what makes me laugh is so Lippy starts shooting at the car and James is kind of just bemused about it. Like he just sort of doesn't react. I feel like Connery's getting a little tired at this point. Probably there's <laughs> moments in this movie where I'm just like, you're not really as into this as you were. Yeah. Um, but then, yes, uh, Volpe pulls up on Lippy and kills him, shoots okay. him with a missile. And that so, was basically like Blofeld saying, like, this guy almost screwed us. So kill him. I don't care what he's up to. Yeah. So it is literally like Spectre killing Spectre while they're killing, trying to kill Bond. Well, I mean, at this point, you know, I know they know Bond was there and and, yes. and, and took, but like. Bond's not so much involved in what's happening just yet. Yeah, he's on yet. his way to yeah. MI6. All he knows is that he's been called in. Yeah. So I found it a little, I was taken back, uh, taken aback a little bit when I found out that Volpe was driving the motorcycle yeah. and, and it's a nice little switcheroo where you think yes. she, they're, they're coming up on Bond and she takes, takes uh, him out. So I was a little confused great by that. Great explosion I was like, too. That, yeah. that explosion is great. I love the shot of her going, yeah, like just ditching the bike. It's pretty yep. good. Um, yeah, she's great. I mean, uh, we'll, we'll my, get to yes. more stuff with her later, but I, I really, she's, she's the shining star in this movie. For I me. agree. Uh, but yeah, like you said, uh, we, we lose our hat toss. James starts to do it. And then the, there's that fun little camera bit where it pulls over and the hat racks in a new spot. Yep. And that's the thing, the kind of thing you can only do in the fourth installment of a franchise in five <laughs> years. You know what I mean? Like everyone's just like, well, where's the hat toss? <laughs> um, but yeah, a money penny informs James that every double O has been called into this meeting uh, with Which the prime I, minister. I was a little like, Ooh, we're going to see some like, I wish we had, they go nowhere with that. I was a little yeah. disappointed in that. According to the director, uh, like, at least a couple of the people in this scene are are female agents too. He's like, if we had used any of the reverse shots of this boardroom, you would have seen like the first female double O yeah. on screen, which I would, would thought would have been really cool. Um, it, yeah. M calls bond out for being late. Now that we're all here. That um, shot of bond walking into the room and it, the look, fucking look that M gives him as he's walking to his chair. And then the, <laughs> to counteract the, the, the look that bond gives M when he mm. finally sits down, I was like, these are two guys that have worked together entirely too fucking long. Yes. And the boss is just completely over his shit. And is like, if I had anybody better, I would exactly. can this motherfucker. In That's a exactly what it is. <laughs> If if M knew that someone else could do the job, yeah. he would he'd be gone. Um, 
it, well, and it also goes into that thing from like Casino Royale where, you know, Bond is like a double O's have a very short life expectancy. Yeah, so your mistake yeah. will be short lived. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, we learned that Blofeld is uh, planning to destroy a major city in either the US or the UK unless they pay their ransom uh, in order to let them know you have to make Big Ben strike seven times at six o'clock, which, uh, which is a, a nice little bit. I like the creativity of that. It's a supervillain flex, yeah. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what I love, I was thinking about this. What if they were like, uh, he says, either a, a city in either the US or the UK will be destroyed. What if the prime minister was like, I don't mind those odds. <laughs> like, <you> know, like, <laughs> do your worst to I the kinda, Americans. <laughs> I kind of had a thought myself. I was like, well, what the fuck do they care what happens to the United States? <laughs> these, these guys are living on another planet because uh, we meet Sir John, who gives us a presentation that requires this extra as hell map to open up on the wall next to him. Like a they, painting slides away. And then his whole presentation is like, is all the area we know. We don't know where the bombs are. I, th- I think once they took out Goldfinger, they just took all of his stuff from his lair and put it in my six. Yeah, we, we've commandeered his Dr. Strangelove room. Uh, I mean, but it, literally, like, his presentation is like, we got nothing. And we it required this big old gap. That's how you can tell that this movie is also just throwing money at spectacle. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. I love it. I love the extraness of it, of course. But it's so funny when you think about it logically. Um, M goes over the file for Project Thunderball. And this is when, like you said, it's a big old uh, coincidence. James recognizes a photo of Durval as one of the men who died on the jet, supposedly. Mm-hmm. And he tells M, like, I don't want to go to Canada like you want me to. I'm going to go to Nassau to find Durval's sister. Yeah. And him says, is there any other reason besides your enthusiasm for water sports? <laughs> <laughs> Which is a, a very different line uh, in year of our Lord 2022. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, my next line, my next note is Bond's got a piss kink. Uh, M says. It wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> no, of course not. For, for queen and country? Are you kidding me? Um, <laughs> M says. Uh, but I do love this moment. Like, like there is a there is a respect there. As much as Bond pisses him off, he tells uh, he tells them like, if 007 says he saw Derval's corpse, that's good enough for me. Yeah, you know, uh, and and even though they have only four days to stop a nuclear attack, he's like, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with my guy on this one. Yeah, and that's that's what I love from what I'm seeing so far of the building of the characters and and how they yes. work together is like, I love this camaraderie they have with one another. Oh. Where like they they could care less for one another personally. Yes, but professionally, M knows this is my guy for the job. Absolutely, and, and that's and, yeah. And, and Bond's the same way. He's like, I respect this man. He is, he's on the right side and I'm going to do what he needs me to do. Like, I love that. Yes. And that is the thing that I think uh, we've talked about this a little bit off mic, but like a thing that bums me out about the Craig era, as much as I love those movies is that like Bond quits every chance he gets in those movies. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's like, there's a distrust, you know, there. And I, 
I, I just, man, I love, I love that this is just a matter of duty for both of them. Yeah. You where know? you get, where you get those little nods of like Bond just wants to take a vacation and chill in these movies, yeah. like the Daniel Craig movies, which are the only ones I've seen really move into like, Hey man, I just want to fucking sit on the beach and drink margaritas yeah. and get laid. I, I don't want to deal with this yes. shit. <laughs> well, Craig's Bond is also like, I, he carries a weight from murdering people unlike yeah. this unlike this bond who is just like harpoon like, <laughs> isn't that funny uh like bond is a fucking psychopath in this movie and i kind of love it um it, it, in some aspects when it comes to the action um but yeah uh, james uh goes snorkeling and meets domino immediately i you know, Vol- Volpe is a villain. Mm-hmm. Like she's she's my shining star here. Sure. But I love Domino. I agree, and uh, I kind of wish she had more to do. I agree. Yeah. Whereas this is kind of starting to be a running thing with the Bond girls. Is I love them as characters. However, they don't get much to do. Domino falls victim to sort of the uh, Honey Rider problem where i'm just like i this character on paper is fascinating to me and she really yeah she really does kind of get underserved by it um what's interesting is the producer's original choice for the role was julie christie can you imagine julie remind me julie christie julie christie from uh billy liar dr zhivago fahrenheit 451 uh hamlet Dragonheart, like she's kind of a legend and like she just didn't they were like ah eh, we're fine like there were a couple of different people uh approached like julie christie raquel welsh uh faye dunaway and all of them kind of either turned it down or like it wasn't a good fit with the producers mm-hmm. and so yeah but i i think she's great in this she's also dubbed yeah. um but uh I mean, I, she's she's kind of the Tatiana, you know, was very attractive. I really liked mm-hmm. her character, um, you know, kind of start the start of the traditional Bond girl there and from Russia with Love. But also like super capable is a spy in her own right, like yeah. has has the has the uh, yeah, has the knack for espionage and where, where Domino, she where she's yeah. kind of my top tier Domino yeah, would sure. be like one right below her. I love um, Domino. Yeah. Um, yeah, super, super interesting character who, um, yeah, like you said, she doesn't she doesn't get a ton to do in this one. Um, it's a very brief meeting, but he just wants to make sure that he's made contact. Um, we're introduced to uh, Paula, his partner, mm-hmm. uh, played by Martine Beswick, who was also one of the Romany girls in From Rush With Love. Uh, <laughs> see, that's in the cat see, fight. They're recycling them. <laughs> like <laughs> They are. Yeah. I mean, but also they were like, she's great. We need to give her a, a more substantial role. And I, I like what we get of Paula here, but she is also another character that's sort of relegated to the one who has to die. Yeah. Um, Underdeveloped. Like I would have been nice to kind of see her like romp and run with, with, with bond a little bit. Like she doesn't sleep with him, which I love. I like that is strictly business and I respect her. Uh, 
Yeah, I, I mean, Bond gets a lot of hangers on in this movie. There, but Paula, what I like is about Paula is she's given us some shit. Like she seems like one of the bros. Like she's, yeah, yeah. he says like, uh, tell him I've made contact with the girl. And she goes, I'll tell them you've seen her. Like yeah. <laughs> you didn't make and contact then even, with her. Even his exchange with her when he gets on the boat with Domino and he's like, you can take, you can take the service boat, right? Yeah, She'll you take me t- back. I've got a, I've got a meeting I got to get to. And she's um, just like, yeah, sure. I'll take the fucking service boat you prick (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's so good but also like this is when we realize bond's being watched and how long did it take you to clock that this is our newest felix (laughs) i have a note that says is this the third actor to play felix thus in four movies (laughs) yeah Yeah. and and like no disrespect to rick van nutter but my least favorite felix yeah like there's nothing going on with this guy there's no charisma it doesn't seem like he and bond have really worked together before well and it's it's played like a mystery because this dude if you if you watch closely he's in the background of like 12 shots watching (laughs) bond from a distance at one point he's right over his shoulder sometimes at night always wearing those fucking cat eye glasses that jack lord had and dr no um but it it is just like it's played up like oh someone's tailing him and that's the something you can only do if you're recasting a character we're supposed to know but it also means that bond's ignoring him for the audience's benefit right right yeah, I mean, it's, if, if, if you look at it in, in context, like, it makes no sense because no. he would know who the guy is. But, like, it's weird that that's how we're introduced to him in Dr. No as he's following Bond around all right. mysteriously. And then yeah. the same thing happens here. It's just, it's it's a weird little trope for this character. Uh, yeah, a character he knows now. And um, we get our first mention of Conch Chowder, which is an aphrodisiac, apparently. <laughs> oh, you, uh, you've been studying up the wrong books, Mr. Bond. Yeah, I love that. She's not she's not falling for it. I love her. Um, oh, and, and, and we, we we missed on the boat with the exchange I'm with with Bond and Domino. I'm not with you. Oh, you soon will be. Oh, sure. Like, yeah, and she's just kind of rolling her eyes like she doesn't dig it. And yep. one, he kind of tips his hand and he says, he calls her Domino and she says, uh, how did you know my name? And he says, oh, I saw it on your bracelet on the on the, on your, on your the bracelet you wear. And she goes, what sharp little eyes you have. And he goes, wait till you get to my teeth. <laughs> yeah. Which is a creepy line, but I wish he had also added, they're so small. <laughs> <laughs> What I have sharp little teeth also. Um, yes to a casino scene. Yes. Always happy to see a casino scene in one of these. Um, and I, every time Bond and Largo get together, it's that, it's that dynamic that he has with Goldfinger that I really enjoyed where I love, I'm a bitch for a scene where both parties know what's up and they're yep. just measuring each other. Even the um, the politeness that they have for one another when they're face to face. Oh yeah, and how he's just like, oh, come to my to come to lunch at my pad uh, t- tomorrow afternoon. Oh, one of my favorite exchanges <laughs> in the movie is when he puts his hand on Bond's shoulder and he's like, "Would you like for me to show you around?" And he goes, "Oh, I would love that." And he goes, "I thought you would." Like it's just <laughs> like we're alone. You don't have to act like this. <laughs> yeah, when he gets to the house and they're having that exchange, it's yeah. almost like if you were to pan 
pan the camera down, they're like measuring each other's dicks. It's of course like yes. <laughs> sword fighting. Are, like yeah, these two are just going back and forth. It's hilarious. Well, and Bond's not even like playing it cool. He he like comes up and he goes. He goes, oh, because he beats him at cards. And he goes, I thought I saw a specter at your shoulder. Uh, <laughs> uh, the specter of defeat, of course. Like, it's just a fucking, like, he he does, he has no chill. Um, I've mentioned this on Silver Linings playlist. I don't know how any card games work. So, yeah, like, I'm, I'm literally going off of people's reactions throughout the, like, if someone goes, oh, and I'm just like, I got, yeah, fun. <laughs> right. Like, I got, I'm like, I'm like Abed on community. I'm just looking for fucking cues. Like, uh, but like, uh, we, we're introduced. So Bond kind of takes Domino off to the side and we get this weird wrinkle that's not properly explained in the movie that Largo uh, tells people, or sorry, that Domino tells people she's Largo's niece. Because she doesn't want to be called his mistress. Well, I didn't. I, I didn't catch that. I didn't pick up on that. I did. I did hear when she says, "My guardian has me looked after." When she they're says talking that a couple times pool. too. Yeah. And um, um, and uh, yeah. I mean, I I don't know where I was going with that. So carry on. <laughs> no, it's just it's an odd moment, but I do like this bit where they dance and she she senses like a gentleness from bond like she's like i you hold me differently um and it's a it's a nice little baseline for their romance I this think. is what i want out of the pussy galore relationship i know is yes. is you know like those like god could you imagine the power couple of pussy galore and james bond and they'd but, never stop they'd also yes yeah they would never they'd take over the world for but sure i think i think uh yeah like this is a whole lot more reserved than that and he's it is he's not you know being he's, forceful towards domino and he, he's very chaste with her and like that's a thing that we really haven't seen from this bond it's something that's kind of explored in in future movies that i like quite a bit especially the dalton ones but there is like a a, a a sweetness to this scene and you know it could be argued that he is just cozying up to her to get information and that's very true at this point right yeah the the, the scene later with the volpe kind of puts that out there front and center yes. it's like you know we'll get to that shortly but but he there there there's a bit of sincerity here where and it also gives connery a chance to play some new levels that he hasn't really gotten to do maybe a little bit with Tanya in, in from Russia with love, but yeah. like for the most part, it's yeah, it's something kind of new. Um, it, what's not new is that hotel desk girls still love James Bond. <laughs> we linger on this chick checking him out for a while in my his note, little shorts. My note says the girl at the hotel was I fucking him so hard. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I mean, like it's why we're four for four at this point with like checkout yeah. clerks being into James Bond. Yep. Um, and instead of the long, you know, hair on the door, like all this stuff, he's just got a fucking tape recorder hidden in a book now yep. that lets him know if someone's in the house. And I, I love this shot of him checking the recording, listening to footsteps and the camera kind of the POV shot of him kind of tracking where the steps went. 
Yeah. Uh, and I this think is that's a very, all really good. And this is a very familiar scene, like 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 you've brought up before on how like the tropes that they continue to play in these Bond yeah. movies. Like we get another coming to the hotel, getting my key, going into the room, investigating stuff. Someone's there. Yeah. I mean, and it then, didn't happen so much. And then finally we get we get um Felix stuck. getting we punched get Felix in the back. stomach. And yes, like that whole exchange there when he punches him and then throws him in the room. And then later you find out, he's like, you're about to say 007. He's he goes, like, hey, oh. double O. Like yeah. he punches him. Yeah, he punches Felix in the stomach, burns this dude in the shower and then just lets him go. And he says like, tell, tell your boss, I always throw the little fish back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and while he's pour, while he's pouring a full fucking glass of alcohol, I don't know what it. kind it was, but it yeah. was. <laughs> he's gonna get smashed immediately after that scene. <laughs> yes. um, I hope I hope right after the guy leaves, Bond sticks two straws in there, one for him and one for Felix. Like I hope that they have a ritual. Like, I want to see point, the shot of he and Felix sipping from the same cup. <laughs> at this point, he's like, "Dude, was there's no malteds here?" So. Like, it's, uh, we we get the reveal of Largo's place with sharks in the pool. Love another it. great villain trope. Um, more more influence for the Austin Powers movies. Oh yeah, and he backhands this dude and kisses his specter ring, which is a great great villain moment. Yeah. I, I kind of trashed Largo a little bit up top, but he has a couple of moments in here that I really do dig. He's um, he, he's definitely not like like you said. He gets his hands dirty. I respect that, but. Yeah. He's a lot like Goldfinger in the respect of like I'm just not so interested in him as a villain. I agree. Um, I'm I'm definitely on board with you. Uh, Velpy is is I wish she would have been the whole the villain through the whole movie. Yeah, and we, we get these great moments of um, oh this this shot. It's almost like a corpse POV of as he's getting eaten by a shark. We see the guys above the water looking down as the blood pools in front of the camera it's yeah oh, it's a great moment it's very um, reminiscent of like the the tarantino shots of like where he'll have sure a camera shooting out of a trunk looking at uh, vincent vega and and samuel L. Jackson's oh yeah character for in Pulp sure Fiction, like that sort of style i wouldn't be surprised if if that's something that was considered i mean i i know tarantino's a bond fan yeah uh, and we'll talk about another director later on who's a major bond <laughs> fan for sure uh but uh, now it's time for the roll call. We're going to meet all of Bond's contacts. We got Paula. We got Pender. We got Felix. Q comes in with a Hawaiian shirt and Bond says, oh, no. <laughs> that, is, that is my favorite scene in the movie. Me too. And if, and if, you, Me think, too. if you think M and Bond are over each other, Q is fuck. Like, Q wants nothing to do with this guy. If Q could shoot him. Yeah. He would. And Bond, I mean, he, like, it, it's one of those things where you can you can sense the tension between them. Yeah. And every response Bond gives to him is just this snarky little comment. He's he's being so childish. He's playing with the propellers next to him. Q keeps making him turn it off. He's like, pay, do pay attention, 007. He has, uh, he has, he shows him the Geiger counter. He goes, he has your Geiger counter, waterproof, of course. And Bond goes, but of course. And Q goes. Like, yeah. he's like, fuck you, man. Like, I'm just, I'm only, I'm here right now. Shut up. Let me finish this. Yeah. And then if I'm going to go to the crawfish boil. If you're <laughs> just listening, if you're just listening to the dialogue in this scene, you are uh, not getting the full experience because the, the physical, Desmond Llewellyn rules. In yes. This the, scene. the facial expressions that he's giving, the facial expressions Bond is giving, like 
this is the, the funniest scene between the two of them so far he, in the series. He says, like, uh, I want you to take good care of this. And Bond goes, well, everything you give me is treated with equal contempt, <laughs> of course. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's so, like, I have actual, like, crying, laughing emojis in my notes, which is not like... Um, and, I, and I absolutely love when he gives him the tracker. He's like, a, a harmless radioactive device. <laughs> and Bond's like... Uh, harmless yeah oh yeah because he has this little pill that he has to take that'll like keep allow him allow them to find him because it has like a little isotope in it what am i supposed to do with this well obviously you swallow it (laughs) as a matter of fact you idiot this is what you do with it um, the production designer Peter Lamont was asked uh, if the if the rebreather could work because he's given this little thing that can give him like four minutes of air yeah, uh, yeah. at a time. And he was asked, like, how how long could a man actually use this underwater? And he said, as long as you can hold your breath. <laughs> like He's like, this is the one thing that isn't real. Like, there's no fucking way. Um, Which is no... absolutely something you would have saw Batman 60, 60, 66 Batman pull out of his his utility belt. The uh, the animated series Batman uses one multiple times. Like yeah. that is straight up. He has like a little like face mask that he uses. Uh, looks like the Shredder. <laughs> um, <laughs> but same thing. Um, yeah, Bond. So Bond immediately is just like, okay, time to do some reconnaissance. Uh, he swims over to the Disco Volante uh, and is followed by a dude with a harpoon gun. Uh, and this is this is the nighttime sequence where yeah. Uh, Largo wakes up immediately and just starts chucking grenades into the water by watching mm-hmm. his bubbles, like his air bubbles. I, it's, I think this is a good sequence. Uh, I, and I like that, uh, you know, once he starts throwing the grenades, like at least they give you that shot of bond, like feeling the, the, the pressure of that like, Oh I, yeah. The, there's shots of him just kind of wigging out or like yeah. getting tossed around that are, are done through a, a combination of the actor kind of flailing but also a lot of fun camera movements and shaky stuff and yeah yeah, this is this is good like this isn't still another underwater sequence that goes a little too long but it has some good bits and it doesn't help that this is a darker sequence so i was having a little bit of a hard time making out some of the stuff that was going on right like it's not until he gets back with the film that I was like, oh, he's seeing a hatch. Like, that's not immediately clear to me that he's, like, trying to figure out how they're getting out of the Disco Volante to do all these things. Yeah, yeah. um, But Bond makes it to the shore and is picked up uh, hitchhiking by Fiona Volpe. And this is their first real meeting face-to-face. And is this your speed ramping scene that you were giggling about? Or is it hauling ass in that fucking Mustang, man? She's a speed demon. And Uh, she... The thing that I love about her is she's just like picking up a secret agent with her fucking specter ring right there, like not even trying to play it cool and literally plays everything off as like, oh, this is I'm also staying in this hotel. What a coincidence. Like yeah. she she's cool as a cucumber. Well, uh, the reveal of her being a villain is a, is a cool scene and we'll talk about yeah. it shortly. But it's like it's one of those where it's like, you know, she seems surprised that Bond has figured her out. Yeah, but it's like he says you're wearing the same ring. Is like maybe you evil evil villain should yeah. not wear your own fucking brand on your he, finger. He's like, you know, I 
you know, I boiled a guy a couple of years ago for working with you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not a friend of Spectre. I I will seek you out. I will kill you. I strangled one of you in a train. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And and like after all of that, though, it it is a it's kind of frustrating that that whole mission was just to verify that they have an underwater operation. Like I know as the audience, we know this. Bond yeah. has to find this out, but it it still is just kind of, it feels like padding. A lot of this movie to me is very, feels very padded. I feel yeah. like the 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 plot is, like you said, it's simplistic, which gives you an opportunity to like, you know, throw in all this fun stuff. But it, yeah, there. I think there there's a solid like twenty minutes of this movie that can that can be kind of yeah. trimmed down on. Where I'm happy that it's easy for me to follow in, mm-hmm. in retrospect to the other ones we've been watching. Like, sure. I think the thing about Goldfinger that turned me around on it uh-huh. and, st- and, and still having the issues I have with it was the reveal of the ultimate plan. Yeah. And, and that one, as as Bond is figuring this out and Goldfinger is just sitting there shaking his head like, yeah, go ahead. Go. You've got it. Yeah. This one is very much just like. Yeah, like. <laughs> when you say padding, like we didn't need any of this scene. Like we know what's happening. Bond just needs to find this out. Right. And maybe it could have been a better scene with something like Goldfinger, just sort of acknowledging that, yeah, Bond, you've got this figured out Mm -hmm. Um, because, you know, Ultimately, this just gave us another underwater fight scene where well, we're going to have plenty we, of that coming up later. We have plenty of that coming up later. We have plenty of scenes on the Disco Volante where those hatches could have been discovered. Like, yeah. again, like I said, it is very much like we need to see how Bond figures this out. Yeah. But as an audience member, it's it's almost a little frustrating to see Bond behind the ball. Like, it's more fun to figure it out as he does. So yeah. maybe even just reordering some scenes. I don't know. It's But there's something about it that, like, kills the momentum for me. Same with the number. Uh, I mean, these, these shots. This movie's gorgeous. But there's a number of shots of the helicopter and outside the helicopter that are great. But man, we spend like 10 minutes of this runtime yeah. just watching Felix Leiter circle around the island. I would have been a lot more taken into like, you know, get me a scene where we where we get Bond and Velpe um, yeah. with each other because that's what I'm ultimately interested in. Yeah, uh, I do. I do like this scene between Largo and Volpe where she's they're arguing about like whether or not he should have attacked Bond. He's like, you could have like fucked up our whole thing. If you kill James Bond, they'll send more agents. They'll be on to you. And he just says like, he he's Largo's very business. Uh, He is an enemy of Spectre. And so he needs to die. Yeah. They kind of like that single mindedness. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I do like that. She, she continues to intervene and she's like, I'll take care of him when time is right. Right. Yeah. And all of this with them at the hotel and her her seducing someone seducing bond for yes. a change yeah um oh there's so there's some great stuff i mean we we get to uh, he goes to palmyra the 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 largo's estate he's introduced to mr vargas who doesn't drink smoke or make love which makes <laughs> them the perfect killer um and the whole time Bond's kind of big dicking Largo, you know, he's like, I know about your lady. Like I, he says, do you know a lot about guns? He goes, no, but I know a little about women. Mm-hmm. He's such a shit. Um, he, there's the bit where he's, 
he says, oh, I'd, I'd really like to try out this clay pigeon thing. And so can you call one for me? And uh, Largo says, pull, clay pigeon shoots out and Bond just goes, oh, I don't know if I can. He's <laughs> like, oh, it is easy. I love all of that. But I, um, I love the scene with he and Velpy too, where it's like she's a, you know, they're uh, they're doing the clay pigeon thing and she's a damn good shot. Like yes. she is, she's a strong female character here. And I she really, is, she's, really she's a her. great villain. Like I, I, there's so much that I, yeah, the, these scenes are great because you also get the idea that, you know, at first blush, it really does feel like she's one of uh, Largo's subordinates, but the, it becomes very clear that they're definitely like same tier. Yeah. You know, like Blofeld has entrusted each of them with different parts of the operation, mm-hmm. uh, which I, I think is fascinating. Um, and she, but she clears out because she doesn't want Bond to know that they're connected yet, even though he's like, I'm not an idiot. Like you're wearing a specter ring. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And I, I love the date with Domino uh, during the parade. Felix comes up and, you know, oh, Paula gets taken by uh, by Largo's guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they cut. So Bond Bond's reaction is, I'm going to cut power to the whole fucking island <laughs> so that I can sneak into Largo's place. And, and Felix says something like, oh, it's going to take out the power for the whole whole island. He goes, I don't give a damn about the rest of the island, which <laughs> it's pretty intense. Yeah. Um, as is... The fact that Paula has taken her own life with a cyanide capsule rather than talk during torture, which is I, like revealed. I yeah. actually missed that. I, I, knew revealed, she, I knew she had yeah. died, but I thought they had taken her out. No, there's a line of dialogue off screen where someone goes, oh, it must have been cyanide or something like that. Ah. And, and, you know, she she's like she stayed true to the mission to the end. It's a bleak ending for this character, but really... I love that she goes out on her own terms instead of being a victim again. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, which is, you know, like one of my biggest issues with Goldfinger. It's still not the best ending for this character that we've barely gotten to know, but right. it's, it's again, it leans into the ugly side of espionage that I, yeah. I love about those first At two. At least there's Bond some links. sort of integrity to her character there. Sure. Um, and then Bond just starts blasting like (laughs) uh which i i love i mean he starts to sneak out and then just starts shoot he shoots at like two guys so everyone pulls their guns on each other because they can't see shit yeah largo has to yell like he's got you shooting at each other and then we get the fight by the pool and largo seals them in in that uh in the you know the what it's a wonderful life pool (laughs) uh and this fight is brutal uh they he's when bond like stabs this dude in the gut in order to incorporate the sharks in this movie there's so many shots of people bleeding out in the water yeah and i was a little confused uh, i honestly thought yeah. bond had got stabbed there for a minute because underwater with the i don't know if there were doubles there or not but it only yeah. it looked like bond to me that got stabbed i was like oh shit and that happens a few times in this movie where i am just especially in the finale where i'm just like you could tell me literally anybody died in the scene and i'd believe you yeah yeah largo largo lets they let a shark through into the next tunnel uh, to like to to the two connecting pools, and there's a great oh shit moment when Bond sees the shark next to him. Yeah, uh, and we get another so much like the the tarantula in the first movie. <laughs> uh, Bond uh, Connery is on the other side of plexiglass hiding from this shark. Yeah, and 
they didn't have enough plexiglass to cover the whole area. So a shark actually did like butt its way around the corner and swam up to Connery. Wow. Uh, and he apparently like jumped out of the water, like freaking out. Supposedly when he got the script and they were like, so we have this sequence where you're going to be face to face with a bunch of sharks. His response was not bloody likely. <laughs> <laughs> there is a shot. Which would be me. There is a shot at the end of that when Bond goes through the tunnel into the, the main shark pool. Yes. Yeah. And when he jumped, when he gets out of the pool, if you watch, there's a fucking shark that is charging up to him very oh, I fast. That. Oh, shit. And it almost looks like like whoever was in that pool almost got bit by a goddamn they, shark. They did. There are apparently a couple of moments where the stunt coordinator almost got eaten. Like, or or like, it's, yeah, they were playing fast and loose with this shit. And, um, and I have a question because, yeah. and this plays into what's happening later, but since we're talking about sharks, did they actually kill sharks here? No, they had dead sharks. They okay. had some like from a from like a local um, butcher shop or something like that. There like is, I, I did look this a, up. There's a shot in particular where someone shoots a shark, and blood that, comes out. And yeah, I was like, that I uh, that I I'm not sure like, about. Yeah, I, w- I was like, they didn't just fucking kill a real shark, did they? Because that's kind of as far as I can tell. Because I did look into this. As far as I can tell, they did not kill a shark in this movie. Well, good. Whether or not a shark was injured, I don't know. Uh, I wouldn't discount it, unfortunately, because yeah. uh, people were doing whatever the fuck they wanted in filmmaking in the 60s. Um, I mean, up at, you know, <laughs> I think we've talked about this. Tom Savini just straight up chopping a fucking snake in half on Friday the 13th. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, this is when Bond goes back to the hotel and sneaks into Volpe's room and finds her in the tub. And... Yeah. In one of my favorite shitty Bond bits, scampy, scamp Bond bits. Since you are here, would you mind giving me something to put on? Any hands for her slippers? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and but, she just kind of looks at him. And and she plays it really well. Yes. And then, you know, her getting out of the tub, seducing him, uh, yeah. the whole conversation with him in the bed and the bars oh, yeah. on the bed and all that stuff. Like, Oh yeah. She's like, Oh, would you put me behind bars? And yeah. Uh, and then bond is just like, well, I've got to go to the junk canoe. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, so it's time for them to get dressed and go out. And we get Bond uh, pulling a Jack Burton where he opens the door. <laughs> it's just like, I wanted him to turn back and just be like, we may be trapped. <laughs> yeah, that, I, I love this scene. I love that he just graciously just, when he sees her with the gun, he turns around, opens the door, friends of yours. You Puts know? them in. And, uh, uh, and she, she tells him, like, you think you can do whatever you want. And he goes, oh. My dear girl, don't flatter yourself. What I did this evening was for king and country. You don't think it gave me any pleasure, do you? And she essentially refutes the the pussy galore problem, right? Yeah. Like she tells him flat out, like, I'm not going to change who I am. You're not good enough at sex to turn me against my, pe- like my <laughs> group. Like it's, it's a great monologue that she has. And, and I think she sells every second of it while holding a gun in his face. You just reminded me of, uh, have you ever listened to John LaJoy? Oh, sure. Yeah. There's one of his songs where it's like, girls like to have sex with me. 
because I'm really good at sex. At sex. And it's like, yeah. that's James Bond's theme, James Bond's theme song right there. It's like, I did it. I've done it. Uh, yeah, it's it's a good moment that kind of just like shits on the whole Bond trappings, you know? Yeah. And, and it's just like, you're not who as good as you think you are. I'm still working for Spectre. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to change. Excuse me. I'm not going to change my mind. And the thing that does change their mind is uh, Bond tries to set them on fire. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, what What would you call this? Like an inside out Molotov cocktail sort of scenario. Yeah, because a dude, drunk guy comes up from the junk canoe and he's uh, holding in a liquor bottle and Bond makes him spill as, as Volpe is lighting a cigarette. And but the the effect they use is like it's that like shit a, is it's more like a smoke like a smoke bomb as opposed yeah. to like catching something on fire. But that the, yes, that tequila must have been four hundred proof because right. it it's like it's like a it's like a miniature Hiroshima. Like it's a little thunderball right there. Like, it's like a what it is. it's like a chemical reaction as opposed to just lighting something on fire. But uh, and Bond runs for it, but he's gotten shot in the leg. And I think this is a really great bit. Like Bond is hobbling. He's scared. He's sweating there. She follows his blood trail. Like she yeah. notices it and is tracking him. Uh, I, I got to pull up the timestamp so you can drop it here. It's a really good chase, but there is a quick shot of a dog in the middle of the parade who is not having it. <laughs> <laughs> I have a question though. Is this the, is this the first time we've seen Bond get injured on screen? Like, no, I mean, he's, he's been, he's been roughed up and stuff, but this is, this like, is the first like time I've ever blood on, on bond. Like, I know, like, because at the beginning we're talking about how question. how the widow went to town with him with a fire poker, and right. like I love that whole exchange with him and her, and then she, he says that and funny looking bruise, full, a poker, in the hands of a widow. I'm surprised. I'd have thought you were just the type for a widow. Oh, not this one. He didn't like me at all. Um, yeah, this is probably the most dire we've seen for Bond in yeah, terms I mean, of injuries. Like he, I mean, he gets, he does get shot in uh, from Russia with love, right? Like he, that's when he gets patched up at the Romany camp or is he stabbed? I can't remember now, <laughs> but he, he definitely, he definitely takes a, takes a beating, but like, this is, this is the first time I've kind of felt worried for him in these movies where like yeah. he, he seems he is on the run um, and it's another reason why Volpe rules because this is a, this is a great chase. Um, he, he beats it over to a club bathroom. This whole air, this whole section feels very Dr. No. I mean, yes. a lot of this movie mm-hmm. does in terms of like set and, 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 uh, or in terms of setting, um, might have something to do with Terrence Young coming back. Sure. And, yeah. and also he tries to get this girl to dance with him and Volpe cuts in and I, I love this sequence where she's just kind of studying him. Every time it cuts back, she's just sort of trying to figure out what his game is as she looks into his eyes and he's playing naive. He's like, I enjoy my dancing. And I think the, the editing in this sequence with the bongos and the cut to the, to the the gun. Kudos to Peter Hunt, the editor on this movie, because he's, he's doing, this is a very modern feeling moment. The, Cut, yeah, cutting between the dancing to the bongos getting progressively more erratic to a gun coming out of the curtain. And then finally, the gun goes off. He turns Volpe and she's shot in the back. Yeah. And Bond's scampiest moment in the movie. 
<laughs> he drags her corpse over to a table and sits her down next to some people. One of my friend sits this one out. She's just dead. Those <laughs> poor people. Yeah. When the, like he's long gone when they realize there's a corpse, mm-hmm. right? Like yep. that's fucked. <laughs> it reminds me of that scene from Commando when they're getting on the plane and he tells the stewardess, he's like, don't disturb my friend. He's dead tired. Oh, sure. <laughs> yes. I mean, so much of those, those, that and the running man are built around these kind of puns, right? Yeah, for he sure. had to split. <laughs> Um, what's the one in Eraser where he's he, oh he just says they had to catch a train when he like leaves a car full of people in front of a train I actually um, have never seen Eraser I think you'd enjoy it it's goofy but it's a good throwback I, I, I have it on Blu-ray and have never sat down and watched that one yeah there's it's weird man as big of a Schwarzenegger fan as I was mm-hmm. as a kid there was a certain point where I just stopped and I think it was around Twins when he started getting into comedy Oh, sure. That makes sense. And I love not a, twins. Not a big jingle all the way guy? <laughs> no, not really. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I still watch it every other Christmas or so. But Oh, wow. Uh, but, um, yeah, like, uh, like I've never seen Last Action Hero either. Oh, and, I, I have a soft spot for that one, too. And I'm sure we'll be talking about it on, on the regular show at some point. Mm-hmm. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm anxious to watch it, but I, I do remember catching bits of it on cable and, like, not really being into what was going on there. But sure. that was really one of the first accounts of, like, the meta aspect of movies. I think it might hold up better now, actually. I haven't watched it in a few years, but right. I'd, be, I'd be interested to give that one another shot. So, but there, There's a lot of uh, later Schwarzenegger stuff that I'm not super familiar with. Mm. Uh, well, I mean, that's season two of this podcast. Uh, <laughs> uh, we've we've so, got too many seasons at this point. We've got Star I know, Trek. No we've got you know. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So uh, yeah, we we cut. So at this point, the government's pretty sure they're going to have to pay up the ransom. Uh, they've already made Big Ben strike so that they can tell Spectre, you know, we're on board. Is it um, M? Is it M in the in the room when they're getting everything, like the diamonds together and everything? He's just like yeah. pissed that they're gonna yeah. have to pay up. <laughs> like yeah, he's, he's just, just so like give off. on time. He's gonna do this. He's got it. Um, and luckily, Felix mentions that they're flying over the Golden Grotto mm-hmm. because Largo has mentioned that his sharks are Golden Grotto sharks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh yeah this is yes this is when they they shoot a shark to distract the other ones yeah. so bond uh can go down find the camouflage jet um this is this i love these sequences there's some great eerie bits of the sharks wiggling through the netting some like extreme close-ups bond yeah. swimming among these corpses yeah um i'm okay with this However, this leads mm. into our third act or, or, or yes. final battle of this movie. Yeah. And, oh, like, yeah, it's a slog. I agree. And again, thankfully, we get underwater sex before that. <laughs> uh, because Bond goes to meet up with Domino to tell her about that he found, you know, that her brother was killed by Largo. He's got her brother's watch and his dog tags and he meets her in the water they embrace float down behind a reef and then like there's a poof of (laughs) bubbles as they bang underwater it's a it's a pretty funny moment like that i think is meant to be funny i hope we didn't frighten the fish 
um but she's ready to play him off and like or write him off play it cool he's like oh i have to i have to leave soon she goes of course you do yeah um and then when he tells her the bad news about her brother he feels the need to put on some fucking cool shades first (laughs) like it's a very weird moment he goes he's like lago um killed your brother like he's like he's, <laughs> like he's david caruso in csi miami it's a long story and it involves your friend largo it's a it's a weird bit and vargas is sneaking up on them and he just straight up kills him with a harpoon yeah uh and this these are the last bits of action that i i really dig before we start to get into this this final act because um he pops his little radioactivity pill, steals yep. a frogman suit, uh, but he doesn't. Did this drive you crazy? He he doesn't tell Felix and the rest of the gang about his plan. Like they have no idea that he's going to confront Largo because at one point Felix goes like, "What? So where's James?" Yeah, and then you know after all that shit goes down, he's just sitting in the cave, like waiting yeah. for someone to pick him up, and it's like I don't know. It 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 was a little weird watching all that shit go down. Yeah. And then like, yeah, like I'm hanging on for the movie for most of it. And, you know, uh, since we're getting towards the end, like the first watch I had of this, I wasn't super impressed with it. Sure. Um, to, to be honest, like I usually, when I'm going to watch the movies for the show, I will sit down and start taking notes immediately when I'm watching. Uh And this, this time Jenny and I sat down and watched it and I was like, you know, I'm just going to watch it this time. I'm not going to take any notes. I'm going to take everything in. Mm -hmm. And that, that probably hurt my first watch on this one because knowing we were going to be recording today, Mm -hmm. I watched it again because I could not remember anything from this movie from watching it three days ago. It's a lot of, um, Again, I mean, the, the the underwater photography is impressive and it probably played like gangbusters to an audience in 65. But here it just feels it's so slow. It's so hard to tell who is who during yeah. a lot of this. Um, I mean, we get the we get a fun we get a fun bit where there's like one fake wall after another. There's a fake wall that has a crank inside that then opens another hatch that then has the mini sub in there. Yeah. Um, and it, the score is really great in this, but there's a lot of people just kind of milling around where I, I don't know which one Bond is until one guy hilariously goes, mm, like when he notices yeah. Bond. And, um, or or and the, the biggest thing about all these underwater fights is just the yeah. taking taking off taking off the goggles. There's a lot of taking off goggles. There's a lot of cutting lines. Yeah. Um, and, you know... Again, like I can appreciate the ambition here. I can appreciate mm-hmm. the spectacle they were going for with this. Yeah. But I think if anything, this this final act of this movie kind of proves that like <clears throat> maybe underwater isn't the best place for like a like this this looks like it should be like a showdown at the OK Corral between two gangs. Yeah. And yeah. with it being underwater with all these mini submarines and boats and all this stuff. And the fact that, you know, it's not a gunfight, it's a harpoon fight. That, that There goes uh, Silver Linings pitch for Crank 3, where he's got to stay wet the whole time, <laughs> like, <laughs> which is a bummer. Uh, uh, but yeah, no, it, you, you give me a sequel to Crank with Jason yeah. Statham doing some shit underwater. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm probably on board with that. <laughs> and he can talk like like in Aquaman, like he doesn't actually have to breathe or anything. Um, and, and he fucks a fish. <laughs> and he fucks a fish. Of course he does. <laughs> while Willem Dafoe watches. Um, but there's 
the the stuff in, during this sequence that is the most interesting to me is all the stuff on the disco volante. Um, the the there's the uh, the confrontation between Domino and Largo, which is Largo being very scary. I mean, yeah. there's this great shot of him standing in the foreground, and there's her reflection on the ceiling as she's mm-hmm. like in the bed, and he tells her he like holds up like a, a lit cigar. I think, and a and a handful of ice. This for heat, these for cold. Applied scientifically and slowly, very very slowly. Do not live in hope, my dear. There is no one to rescue you. Which wow. is a terrifying villain line. It's a really good line, but it is. Uh, it's just uh, he's immediately kind of taken away from this. Which again, I like that Largo gets his hands dirty, but like harpoon fight i yep. i just all i know here is to root for the oranges like mm-hmm. that's really what it is i feel like when i watched the soup anytime i have to watch a sports game yeah. i'm just like which color am i supposed <laughs> a sports game said the fucking nerd the sports sport- game you know I'm sports gonna, ball i'm gonna go watch the sports ball now <laughs> i'm gonna go uh hey the oranges are playing today in the sports is <laughs> um yeah no bond i mean i don't know there's a couple of fun bits bond jets through and yoinks some dude's masks off there's yeah. a there's a bit where he like rocket harpoons a hatch down on some dudes he yeah that's fun them. like all the stuff with the mini sub and how he's doing all of that like how he kind of swoops yes. in and sort of does his own little thing in, in while this yeah. battle's going on yes i love all the i actually really like all the parachuting people into the water that's a good stunt yeah i like that i like the grenade underwater that's a good uh and the sound design throughout all of this is very mm-hmm. good you know i i mean it's not easy to create interesting foley effects that sound muffled in a fun way and right. uh you know all the people who or it's you know knowing the bond movies it's probably two guys adring a bunch of uh, like you know, <laughs> right. over all these fights there's a gnarly shot of uh, a harpoon that goes through a dude's arm yeah yeah um, I, I like that shot and I also like the one close-up of the crab that's just like, get me out of here. Like, he's just <laughs> trying to get away from the fight. But, like, yeah, it's just, it's really hard to follow, right? That crab's running back. To, he's like, you won't believe what's going on. Right just, now. Yeah. J- I met James Bond. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't I don't know. There's, there's. Uh... But once we get James back on the boat, yeah. this is where I was talking about the speed ramping. Is, sure. Was driving me crazy. Uh, yeah. because all of that projection out of the boat and it's the tough. way they're ramping it up and it's like it's pretty no, goofy. no feasible no boat would feasibly be doing anything that they're trying to portray here now again I, this was 50 years ago they're doing the do, best they can i do like that the disco volante is like a, a, is like the aston martin like he's like send smoke like they start shooting smoke uh, they do the little bats, the little bat bullet thing from Batman Returns, where they like lose half of the shuttle and like, go, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> like, uh, and those poor fuckers on the back half have to fend for themselves. <laughs> they get tore up. Like, I actually felt really bad for those Spectre agents in the back half <laughs> of the boat. Um, but we really do lose Bond in this finale because Felix kind of calls in the National Guard. Yeah. And that's all the people were watching fight, really. I mean, yep. Bond gets that fun little bit with the grenades and the harpoon, but like for the most part, it, it does feel like we're just watching 
two armies duke it out for a little bit mm-hmm. um it's it's the same problem i, I have with uh with the finale of Goldfinger, where yeah. I'm just like, you went for scale, and I I prefer when it's I don't know I like sending the one man who can take care of business and yeah, where you've got all the shit going on with Goldfinger and everything up top. Yes. I'm more interested in what's going on between Bond and Odd Job. Exactly. Yes. One hundred percent. Um, and this is when uh the Doc becomes a character again and decides to free Domino to save his skin. He's like, he's gone mad. You'll have to tell them that I saved you, and. <laughs> She plays this scene so well. Domino is in a daze. She doesn't really want to talk. Like she's yeah. just trying to get out of there. Um, and she ultimately kills Largo. I mean, Largo yeah. gets the drop on Bond, but Domino puts a harpoon in his back and says, says to looks at Bond and says, I'm glad I killed him. Yeah. It's a fucking good moment. Yeah. It's really good. And Bond's like, you're glad. <laughs> like he was to shoot me. Um, but yeah, the, the Disco Volante crashes and we kind of get a repeat of the ending of Dr. No for a second, right? Where they're mm-hmm. in the life raft. Uh, but this is when uh, Lucius Fox arrives and says the CIA <laughs> used to have a program called Skyhook. <laughs> <laughs> Skyhook, Skyfall. Is there a connection there? <laughs> they, I mean, this is actually Skyhook. They used it. Like yeah. this was a real thing. And if this doesn't, this and a movie coming up, don't show you what a huge Bond fan Christopher Nolan was like. It's and it's kind of comical. I mean, you got like that kind of rear projection shot or whatever of yeah. them getting like you. But it's it's fun. It's a fun ending that I for, completely forgot about. It's it's fun but highly improbable. I mean, sure <laughs> that that, that uh, was the, it, it's the helicopter, right? It's not a plane, right? And right. It's the, yeah. yeah, it's the plane with the. It's got like the you know they st- they stole my balloons kind of thing yeah, on the yeah. end of it. <laughs> so, uh, but in, in reality, this 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 fucking hook would have just like snapped their backs they would have had a very gwen <laughs> stacy moment going on oh my there. god yeah for sure i mean uh, overall thoughts thunderball like i said the first watch was a little rough um yeah and i and i and i didn't retain a lot of what i watched uh watching it this time uh i got a lot more out of it mm-hmm. it it has its moments i think sure. the third act brings it down quite a bit for me i agree and again, I can I can respect what they were going for, and mm-hmm. while while they did it, I don't think it really worked all that well. Yeah, I um, this is this is one that I I had a lot of fun with this that I didn't expect. I still had the same problems that I had before, but I I, I had forgotten really about how how great the first half of this movie is. I, I think it really does take a dip in that third act. And, and there are people who love this movie who would rank this yeah. as their favorite. And I, you know, I don't think you're necessarily wrong there. It's just it the stuff that works for other folks in this one don't don't doesn't really come through for me. Yeah. Um I, I think I think Volpe is a fantastic villain. I think Domino is a is a is a great love interest. Um, but yeah, it this one this one sits very squarely in the middle of the pack uh, as as far as the 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 Bond movies go, the classics go. Yeah, I mean, going into this one right after Goldfinger, I would say uh-huh. um, those two are kind of the yin and yang of one another. Whereas Goldfinger sure. has a, a a quite like sort of just like 
uh, we're going by the numbers sort of first and second act mm-hmm. and then really, really captivates me in the third. Really ramps up to that popcorn entertainment. Yeah. yeah. And, and like with the reveal of what, what Goldfinger's actually doing in Goldfinger yeah. and all of that, like that's where that movie turns around for me. And this one, I, I'm, I'm very happy and, and very entertained by what's going on in act one and act two. Act three comes along and it's just kind of like kind of underwhelms you. Eh, yeah. yeah. But I mean, those two are similar in those two ways. And the fact that like both have very strong female characters. Mm-hmm. I don't like what happens to the character in Goldfinger. I dig where we're going with Domino here. Yes, I agree. So like, yeah, it, it's, it's the yin to Goldfinger's yang. And yeah, but it course correct in a lot of ways and then in some ways it kind of takes a step back i think um which is you know i it's still it's it's an undisputed classic but it's not one that i i return to very often yeah um and uh but i i still think like if you're watching the series for the first time you, you got to right like it's oh, it's yeah. kind of uh it's undeniably part of it and and something that uh i don't know like i it, the the later movies will build off of thunderball in fun ways in terms of just structure and how they approach action and and right. uh and character through lines um coming up we have a movie that i have a, a affection for that i know is <laughs> exceedingly problematic in some ways uh so i'm very excited to uh to sort of cue that one up uh josh if you had to guess what You Only Live Twice is about, what would you say? I think James mm-hmm. has a very close call in a situation where the powers that be think he may be out for the count. Mm. But he's working covertly because they think he's dead. I like that. That's all I've got on this one so far. We'll Just judging out. upon the title. Yeah, it's a, we'll see it's what happens. Guess. It's a good guess. We'll find out next time. Um, in the meantime, uh, do you? I guess this is your feed. Do you have anything to plug? <laughs> uh, we're doing a lot of cool stuff with VHS files yeah. this month. Uh, going to be doing a lot of giveaways. Uh, we have a Blu-ray that we're going to be giving out as well. One that's nice. uh, we're going to be giving. Well, I won't. I won't spill the beans on that just yet. But we okay. do have some giveaways we're doing on the main uh, main show this this month. Cool. And, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be fun. Um, other than that, I don't have much Nathan. Do you have anything else going on? Yeah, man. Uh, so silver linings playlist, uh, is taking a season break right now. Our finale, uh, back in December was John Carpenter's the thing, uh, which is a super fun episode. Uh, Oh, that's a scary movie podcast. I do with my best friend, Ashley is still going. Uh, we've covered most recently James Wan's malignant, and uh, 2002's The Ring, uh, which was uh, really fun to revisit. I was I was pleasantly surprised. You guys are um, crank, cranking out the episodes over yeah, there. Yeah, man. man, it's been fun. I mean, we we banked up a few because uh, as this drops, uh, the day this drops, I will be in Boston 
visiting some friends because uh, we're going to do it up and see Batman in style. Nice. Uh, and uh, also AIPT Comics podcast uh, where we have a new episode every week. We interview comic book creators and uh, cover the latest news and reviews for comic books, our favorite books of the week. Um, listeners of the VHS files will probably be very excited because we recently interviewed Earl Mac Rauch and uh, W.D. Richter, the uh, screenwriter and director director uh re- respectively of buckaroo bonsai across the eighth dimension nice. uh wd richter also wrote big trouble in little china my favorite movie of all time and he was uh, one of our favorites yes absolutely and he was baffled to hear me say that uh so <laughs> but that was a fun chat so uh, that that was uh, a couple episodes back but uh it's it's worth a worth a listen for sure i also want to give you a round of applause oh our boy got a quote on the front oh, yeah, of man. the new Venom trade. That's right. Uh, yeah, the new uh, Marvel's Venom Volume 1 Recursion has a quote from one of my reviews on the cover. I also just got quoted on the cover of uh, Sinister War, Spider-Man Sinister War. So that was nice. pretty cool. Uh, not My name's not on there, but AIPT is on there. So it's good enough for me. Very happy about that. Yeah, man. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, also, if anybody wants any uh, recommendations for reading based on uh, this 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 podcast, uh, the Ninjak series from Valiant Comics is basically what if James Bond was also a ninja? Uh, so <laughs> go check that out. It rules. It's written by Jeff Parker, who's written some really exceptional uh, James Bond comics. And while Nathan is the resident comic book guy who reads and, <laughs> and, and, and does reviews of comics and sure. everything... I, as a comic book fan, I'm just happy that Saga is back out. Oh, yeah, man. I got to catch up. I, oh. am, I I waited because I realized it was going to be a long time before I could finish it. Mm-hmm. And then I just have actually fallen behind. So <laughs> got to do well, that. It is back. And anybody who yeah. reads Saga, uh, I have to say, uh, Saga is back. I mean, that's all awesome. you can really say. That's it's, good. Love it's it. A, it's a double issue for the first issue back. And I, mm-hmm. I'm loving it. I'm so happy it's back. It's probably, I would probably venture to say my favorite comic of all time wow okay yeah, yeah i definitely need to so, catch up i love me some awesome, brian man. cave on and some fiona staples so me too. happy to have them back in my life heck yeah so well that's gonna do it that was it that's thunderball that's, that's it for it. this month <laughs> we're gonna be back next month with uh you only you live only twice, twice. Yeah. and uh we'll see if my guess was correct but until next month nathan stay shaken Never stirred.